Hello, and welcome back to The Millennial and the Mom. I'm Maddie, the Millennial. I'm Katie, the Mom. And this is our August book club episode. Um, we posted earlier this month that we are going to be reading Happy Place by Emily Henry, uh, which we both did. And today we're going to be talking all about the book and our thoughts on it and, you know, just having a little gal pal book club. And, you know, there may be spoiler alerts in here. So this is not, I think, an episode you should listen to if you haven't read the book and you're trying to decide if you should read it. I mean, it's not like some big mystery reveal, but, you know, we're going to be talking about what happened in the book. Yeah. So if you haven't read it, you want to read it. No, as we talked about in our last episode, like, please don't feel like you need to listen to this. (laughs) Don't consume our content. But you still can Um, give us a five star review. Yeah, yeah. Five star review and then listen after you read the book. Um, But I guess high level before we get into the questions I prepared. um, Mom, what did you think of the book? I loved it in the sense that it was an easy read. It kept my attention. The point at time in which I was reading it was um, just getting ready at the beginning of a trip, a beginning of this road trip I'm on. So it wasn't something where I had to like, you know, really keep track of what was going on. It was pretty easy to follow. And mm-hmm. I read it very, very quickly. I, I think I actually read a good half of it, like on the flight um, from the Midwest out to California to see uh, your youngest sister, Meredith. Yeah. So I also really enjoyed it. I think it was one of those books mm-hmm. where I remember like almost getting like like a pit in my stomach. And I was like, oh my God, like if not to like spoil like you know just in general but I'm like oh my god if Harriet and Wynn don't make it back together at the end of this like I'm gonna be devastated and like I think I was like so just like hanging on every word not because it was some thriller but just it felt like one of those books also like not like I'm happily married it's not like any of this was like me and Drew's relationship but I think I felt like I was at a very similar phase of life of a lot of the characters where I was like I can totally see how this happens and like how you would be feeling these things and so it just really struck a chord with me like I really liked it I want to read more of her books this was the first one I've read of hers but I thought it was a really good good read it's a good like vacation read beach read I read it like not when I was on vacation. I was just at home. So also yeah. can do it there. Um, but it was, it was a quick read. It's an easy, fun read. Not to sound like the old person, like, oh, you just wait. But I mean, I definitely was like, oh, man, if these people are struggling with this at their relationship at this stage in their life, buckle in. But anyways, I mean, I was rooting for them. I was rooting for all of them. They have some very interesting characters. And I think they do transcend, like, the age the characters are at. Because everybody has and we talked about this on an earlier episode when we talked about friends right this is a friend group fundamentally this is a group of friends and they're you know and there's relationships and mm-hmm. and romances and they're going through some of these stages of life but i think that some of the stuff they were going through could be very true at many different ages and stages of life um they yeah. were set at one time right post-college, but certainly as someone who's, you know, empty nesting now and, and entering a different phase of life. And and even just the notion that friendships, you know, have different strains on them and grow apart in different ways, much like relationships. I think that plays into all of this. So I think it's very relevant. It's a fun, it's a quick read. I have not read anything else by her. I know she's a very po- popular author. I certainly would pick up another book by her um, yeah. if it was along along these lines. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 
so I guess getting into the questions again, if you listen to our July book club, like I did not write these. These ones are from the PrincetonBookReview.com. I'll post the link in case you want to have your own little book club for this book. Um, I thought these ones were pretty good, but I guess so. Um, just let's start off. We're going to go out of order just because you did mention it's about friendship and, and, you know, different phases of life. So I guess, have you had close relationships that have spanned different phases of life? How, if at all, did those relationships change with time? I think, yes. I mean, I have friends, you know, I have high school friends that, um, were good friends or even just, you know, um, part of a larger circle of friends that I lost touch with. And then I've gotten back in touch with them. So absolutely. I've had friends from college, much the same. I mean, I think, you know, at the stage that we're at in our early to mid fifties with our kids, you know, launched, we have more time to put into nurturing and rekindling friendships. And I'm loving that. I'm loving getting back in touch with people that I've lost touch with, or we kind of just had, you know, more transactional um, friendships over big events or whatever. But mm-hmm. that, I, I love that. I think it's great. Um, but they do change. And there's people that, you know, maybe we have such different things that have happened um, that it's harder c- to connect. And there's some people too that were very different. We've done very different things over the last, you know, 25, 30 years, but we still connect on, um, you know, a great level. And that's also really interesting. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I'm obviously not in my late fifties or not in my early fifties. You said um, late fifties. I'm not. entering my late twenties. And I think I have, you know, from, I'm still very close with the kind of like a core group of people I was good friends with some in middle school, but a lot in high school. Um, Those, you know, I would say it's like three ish people that I've kind of like one of them has, I've been friends with since like the first day of sixth grade. Um, And now we're, you know, 26. Um, So that, you know, that friendship has survived high school and college. And now, you know, I've gotten married, we've lived in different places. Um, And so I think, I definitely have. And I think too, I'm at the point in my life where like my, you know, I think in college, especially like, you know, I was in a sorority and you have a lot of these like surface level, you know, friendships with a lot of people. Like, obviously there were the people I was like close with in my sorority, but like you're in this big group and you're seeing these people at like, you know, meals and like social events and whatever. I think like those friendships since I've graduated have kind of fallen off. Um, And I'm, you know, my circle has gotten much smaller, but I think I've really been like, okay, these are the people like, I don't need to talk to them every day, every week, but like, you know, making an effort to check in when things are going on in their life, like, you know, being there for them, all of that. So I think it's, I think they do change because like, I was just in Boston visiting one of my good friends from college, um, like two weeks ago. And it's like, she's someone I used to see literally every day, multiple times a day. Like we you know, like lived in the same apartment complex, all that stuff. And it's like, it is different when you go from that to like only seeing her a couple times a year. Um, but I think like the good friendships are the ones where you can like pick up where you left off. Um, so that's actually interesting thinking about the book, because one of the issues that comes up in the book is that's why I felt like I really related to it. (laughs) No, I know. And and the, but the issue I'm going to talk about is Harriet 
she gets a little bit more distance from the group, right? Geographically, she goes to the West Coast, the other ones mm-hmm. are on the East Coast. And then she's in this, you know, residency, med school residency thing. And something major happens with her. And she can't find a way to share that with her really close friends. And then that leads to the whole premise of the book, right? She's kept yeah. something from them. And she's trying to save face or, you know, for whatever, whether she's trying to save face or not as an opinion, but, you know, she's trying to not let on, but it's almost like she went down a road too far, right? Of, of not staying in touch with them about something yeah. major. And then it's like, how do you broach that? I mean, and I absolutely can see how that happens, right? I mean, we've had friends over time, or I've had friends that, you know, I lose touch with them for a while. They're certainly a good friend. Or we, I actually have a friend that, um, you know, spent a lot of time with a good friend, and then kind of just had more of a social media relationship with her. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, it's funny, like her husband is not in any of these pictures anymore. And I started thinking like, oh, my God, like, is there something going on? And when we actually reconnected in person, I finally said to her, I said, I, I know we haven't kept up lately, but I'm just kind of noticing this is everything OK. And obviously it wasn't. She got a divorce and went through all this stuff. And I, you know, wasn't there for like the pain of all that going on. I mean, it was still ongoing at that time. But again, you know, there are these big changes and sometimes figuring out how to share that when you're not in the same apartment building or seeing them all the time can be difficult and it can feel awkward. And it's like, oh, do I even want to like go there or should I just like not even tell them, which is what sets up the premise of this book. Yeah. Well, I want to catch up offline about that story, but, um, we, uh, no, I agree. And I do think like the, the, you know, as you get older, I think like when you're in college, which is where this friend group, like really, it sounds like, you know, became friends in the book was like, they were in college together. Some of them were roommates. Like that relationship is one where it's like, you're like, you're just like in the thick of it. Like you're spending every hour of the day with each other. It's like, yes. you know, you're not like full adults yet. You don't have real responsibilities. And so like, I know people who have been. For in- the most part, some college students mo- totally, have real totally. responsibilities. Yes. Um, But I know some people who were in like romantic relationships and like those ones, I feel like tend to, or they can tend to like struggle when you leave that college setting, because it's like your whole relationship was built on this one model of like. You had class, but then you were like just doing fun stuff. And it's like, not all of those can transition into the real world. And same thing with friendships is like, you know, there are definitely people I don't keep up with anymore because we just never made an effort to stay in touch after graduation. And so it's like, it it can feel like, you know, for those people, like there are some times where I'm like, oh, like that would be funny or like, isn't like, isn't that would be something that this person would think is funny, but it's like, we have not kept in touch enough, like where it like makes sense to like you know, reach out to them about it. Right. So I do think like, if you're like in Harriet's case, where like her and Wynn broke off their engagement, I do think if these were her best friends, like, I think you you tell them, but I guess it's, I guess it's like, you know, you want to tell them in person, maybe or right. like, what, like, I see how it happens. Um, well, I think she was conflicted about, I mean, the issue between Harriet and Wynn is that their relationship broke up in such a non-conclusive which i guess is not a word inconclusive kind of way right it's like what actually really happened she was unsure of what happened he made some assumptions you know i mean it was a weird breakup which i'm sure most breakups are but it's like so i wasn't sure she even knew what to tell them like you know why why did they call it off 
And I mean, she's got a lot of bigger things going on too that she's grappling with that she doesn't really even understand, I think at that point. But the other thing that I really want to hear about from you that I think is, you know, interesting in this book is the idea around a friend group that then gets commingled with romances within the group, because that's something that, you know, then when the romance, I, I think that's one of the things that Harriet was struggling with, right? Is when the romance breaks up, it's like, are people going to take sides? Are they still going to be this group of friends? How are they going to continue this tradition of going to this place every year now that one of the couples is no longer a couple? And so, I mean, there's all of that dynamic in this book, which is obviously very challenging to negotiate. Yeah. So I would say on my like personal side of things like most of my friends are female like and so it's it's like when their significant others come into it and when they come and go it's not so much like I feel so invested because they're like we're past the point where like anyone who's meeting someone new is meeting them at work or on a dating app or it's not like you know we're all still like you know, roommates in college, and like, this is our next door neighbor. And like, it's like this right. much like closer situation, which is kind of what this friend group was, is they were right. all friends. And then they started dating after they were friends. But I will say like, in one of Drew's friend groups from college, like there was just recently a breakup. And it is awkward, because you're like, we're friends with both people. Like, I guess, do we just not see one of them anymore? Like, how does it work? So I can see how like that if you had really close friend groups and it also like I think about in that situation I'm like you know that person if it it does turn out to be that way it's like you lose a big portion of your friends yeah yeah and so well, like and I can see how it'd be really hard well and I will tell you we we actually have that situation in one of dad's college friend groups right the couple that was together in that friend group all the way through college they're still in the friend group each of them married to other people so yeah. I mean, so that that happens. I mean, that's a unique situation because they still are in the same group. I mean, not, I mean, but they can still be together in the same group as a larger group, but, um, and recognize that, you know, they're, they're no longer together as a couple. Obviously they have longstanding marriages and kids with other people at this point, but that is something interesting. Um, the other thing, I mean, the, the one thing I'm dying to talk about is really the whole um, Sabrina and Parth relationship, because I mean, Sabrina's got some baggage, right? Over this, mm -hmm. I mean, her, the, the divorces of her in her, um, you know, for her parents and that kind of, I mean, multiple divorces, I think between her parents and that idea of that, place where she had these memories as a family with her parents mm -hmm. that's become so important for her to go to and now she's going to be losing that place right so they're they're going to be selling yeah. it um so there's a lot wrapped up in that and that's something that's interesting to think about because we have been in the situation that you know we don't have you don't have this childhood home that you grew up in or this place so I have different baggage than Sabrina but still baggage no I know but, and so, but I mean, again, I mean, I just went through it with my childhood home. I mean, you know, uh, my childhood home just, you know, got sold in the last few years and then it got torn down and redeveloped. And, and you um, clearly have baggage about that. I clearly have baggage about that. Right. But I mean, so that's, that's a whole nother layer going on with this. But I mean, the question about Sabrina and Parth is like, what do we think of their relationship? I think it's good. I think it's like, 
I, I worry about them. I worry about them. Well, I, I don't have so much to say about that, but I do think, you know, she, she, the, the author did weave in that each one of these characters does have their own, you know, lens of the world they're working through. So like for Harriet, like her parents, obviously, like, it sounds like they got pregnant with her sister by accident and they were kind of thrown into parenting and they maybe would have never ended up getting married to each other if it hadn't been for that like unplanned pregnancy. And so she doesn't think like her family ever really showed her like love, you know, growing up. And she just like, doesn't know how to, you know, cope with that. And then, you know, Sabrina, her parents were divorced and her, like, she's a Harris and like her family has all this money, but she's unhappy, like this whole thing. So you say she's a, a Harris an heiress okay it's a silent h maddie i am whatever right now i was in speech she's, therapy she's when i was a kid heiress. <laughs> she's an heiress um i'm sorry okay i'm clearly not edit, an heiress because i don't you know can edit it. that part out <laughs> yet yeah, you're not i'm sorry but um yeah okay silent um, h on heiress but i think i think that she the author did a really good job of like all of these characters are like different there's like forms of emotional baggage and they're all like clearly working through different things and you know so I guess like one of the questions on this thing on this uh, you know list that I pulled up so it's like a lot of Harriet's journey is deciding whether or not to like let go of a dream that no longer excites her when she's already invested so much time and energy into it like I have definitely felt that way at different points in my, you know, post-college career. Um, so I think I could really relate to that where it almost feels like you're getting kind of, like on, in our episode, we talked about like your early 20s, like you're starting to get further down a path and you're like, is this what I want to do? And yeah. like, not so much where like I'd taken out of these student loans and I realized I don't want to be a brain surgeon like Harriet, but like I did like spend a lot of time and energy trying to get into investment banking in college. I did it for a year and a half. And I just realized like, this is not what I want to do. I don't even want to work anything like with numbers. Like I just like really don't like this. And it did feel like kind of like I had like shame or embarrassment that like for so for like a few years, like I had made it my whole, not like personality, but I was like, I'm going to do banking. I'm smart. Like I'm a kid who got into investment banking. Like I like felt a lot of pride about that. And then I realized like, but it's not actually what I want to do. And then it's like to walk away from it. And it's almost like this feeling of like, you couldn't make it. And like, it's not because you just, you did make it like you were in it. You just decided it's not what you wanted to do. Um, So I I do kind of get how that would be really stressful. And I think being a surgeon is one of those professions too, where there's a lot of prestige that goes with it. It's like a million people would kill to like, I literally, my manager one time told me like in banking, like a million kids would kill to like be sitting in your seat right now when I was complaining about something. And I was like, okay, but like, I don't like, I'm not killing anyone. Well, I mean, I, I think it's, it's interesting with Harriet's, you know, her, um, you know, trying to come to terms with whether or not she's going to stay in the medical profession and continue to pursue that dream. Because you also wonder, it's a little bit what I think about with you in investment banking, how, like, what would have happened if the pandemic hadn't hit nine months into your investment banking career? I mean, because yeah. investment banking is a very difficult schedule and job as a young professional straight out of college. And then you had to go do it sitting in an apartment, you know, essentially alone, or, I mean, so I think, and again, with Harriet, I wonder, you know, would she feel that way about her dream if Wynn had been able to 
stay near her. They hadn't been dealing with long distance and yeah. the death of his dad and his own career struggles. You know what I mean? So it's like, how much of it is situational and how much of it is that she really doesn't want to do that anymore. And it's like, no, I mean, no judgment. I don't want her, you know, no one should feel bad if you don't want to do it anymore. But I think sometimes circumstances will bring those things up. Um, maybe that would never come up or, you know, would come up at a different point. And a lot of times, I mean, you're going to change around, you know, what you want to do. She had a lot also tied to it, right? Because she had all the loans and mm -hmm. she had, you know, kind of go down the throat. So, I mean, there's a practical decision-making that she has to go through um, as well, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think the other thing um, with this book to think about, which is something I have big surprise, strong opinions about. I'm not someone who likes to travel with other people other than my family. I don't want to go rent a house with friends and go. I mean, I've done a little bit of that, but not, we haven't done that like as families. But I think one of the questions on here is really talking about, you know, um, that idea about traveling each year with these friends. Have you, I mean, you've gone to visit friends. Have you done a lot of like travel with friends where you plan trips together? Not so much. Well, I think I did in college. Like I went to like Toronto with a friend. That's true. We took friend trips. Like we went to like a Tennessee game. Okay. I went on, I think I went on maybe a couple other trips. I've definitely gone now that my friends are more spread out. I definitely go to visit them. Right. So I am someone who likes to travel. We actually just did kind of like this past you actually weekend. just did it last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Which was really fun. And we were like, this was fun. We're really glad we did this. I think I'm in the phase of my life. And this is not like getting like, I think I am like you had kids in your early or mid 20s. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like so much of that time was spent having kids. Right. And so like Drew and I have talked that like we're like not having kids yet. And so like this is the time where like we want to be saying yes to those like spontaneous trips right? And, like investing in like those relationships. And so like, it's something I think like I did enjoy and I'm like, Oh, this would be fun to do more of. Um, but I think, no, like I, mean, I have, I don't have like a trip, like a friend trip I go on every year. Um, but Drew doesn't, d Drew does some of that, right? He goes on some sort of annual trips. Well, that's also, what I his guess dad. done. Yeah, you've done the bachelorette parties and things like that. Yeah. No, so I definitely travel with friends. Um, I think, you know, it's in not so much in this, you know, where it's a bunch of couples, they do it every year. Um, but I think, you know, if I did, I do think like it'd be fun to like start some traditions. Right. Whether yeah. it's our family or with friends or or whatever it is where it's like going to the same place every year. I think it is fun. Um and you know it's something to look forward to. And it helps like like we were talking about when we were talking about social media is like staying in touch and like, you know, making an effort, all of that. Like it's easy when you have kind of a standing event. And it's different. I mean, you build a different relationship when you travel with people mm -hmm. than if you just meet them out for dinner or you go yeah. for a walk with them or, or take a spin class. So, um, yeah, no, I think and they all had different memories about this annual trip, right? Mm -hmm. Good, good and bad. And, you know, they all have their idiosyncrasies, just like you do in a family, right? You're yeah. like, you know, I mean, you, you we all know that. But well, I think um, it's something that like we necessarily can't relate to is like we have a very close family where we go on a lot of trips. A lot of what we do is like family stuff. 
Um, But most of the people in this book, I guess, Wynn had a good, or like his dad died, but he has a good, you know, relationship with his family. But a lot of the other characters like don't. And so this is like kind of the family they've created for each other, for themselves. Um, And so I think there was a lot of baggage with that is like, you know, as you're kind of going off and starting your own lives. Like some things, like some of this is like you deal with in a regular family of like, yes, it's no longer just us. There's other people involved, like all of that. So I think they're just like kind of having this coming of age moment. So what do you think about the decision that they make really early in the book? Well, they don't really make the decision together, Harriet and Wynne, but that somehow it becomes about not spoiling Sabrina and Parse like special moment by, by telling them what's going on with them. I agree with it. I think it's kind of like, you know, if you're like, if like you and your significant other are like about to go to like a big party and like you're in a fight, like you're not going to go like be pills at like whatever event you're going to, like you're going to put a happy face on and like go deal with it. Happy Um, face, happy place. No, exactly. So I think I, I, I mean, if I was in this situation, I don't know what I would do, but I could see how you were like, you know, this is a really special moment for them kind of like when like at abby's wedding like her sister-in-law was pregnant but she didn't want to tell people until after the wedding so it's like you know this is like their moment so you don't want to bring up like because then they knew like if they had told everyone the whole weekend would be about how they were breaking up and what does that mean and like all of that okay so then i think another kind of topic about this book which i think is why i i related to it so deeply (laughs) um is like they're all kind of figuring out their lives and like what they want it to look like and like they're trying to embrace their like authentic selves like cleo is like pregnant and she's you know on this farm and she's really happy but it's not what she thought like her like yeah not like anyone thought she would be like a farmer in college and all of that and you know Wynn is now like you know making furniture and he feels like he's like really found his passion and Harriet's trying to decide what hers is and so it's like I think it is hard to maintain friendships while you're trying to do that because it's like you have to spend a lot of time like working on yourself and so then it's also like the people you're friends with, like, they know you as one thing. And then when you're no longer that it's like, or if it's your job, and that's where you like became friends, like all of that. It's like, how do you keep that when the mutual connection is like, not the same that it was when you first became friends. And so I think that's what like Sabrina is so worried about is that like, if they don't have the one place they keep coming Mm -hmm. back to, like, are they like, you know, good enough friends now that like, they're all of their lives have gone in such different direction to like, stay close. Well, and I think you bring up a good point about when you're doing that work on yourself, it's almost like you're trying out different personas, right? Am I a blogger? Am I a brain surgeon? Am I, you know, this mm-hmm. that, and the other thing? And I think it's hard to do that when you're surrounded by people who've always known you as one way, right? Yeah. So um, it's funny, we were in this little gift shop this weekend um, on our little getaway with your uh, oldest sister and her husband. And there was this funny book that was like how to be a vegan and not lose friends right (laughs) so it's like how do you make a big change in your life but not alienate the people who have always seen you one way right or i think what more realistically happens is how do you make multiple changes right you're like oh i'm gonna do this and then you decide not to do it and you're gonna do this other thing 
and I mean, this happens in a family all the time. It's like, you know, and we, we are a very jokey family, right? We joke about things, but I'm sure there's times where it's like, you know, it's not really something to joke about. Oh, you tried this and you tried yeah. that. And you don't really want to have that thrown back in your face. So I think that's one of the things. This is too. actually something my therapist and I have really um, had to dive into. Oh, because it's my. like, I think there's a fear of like when, and I probably try out more things than the average person, maybe. I mean, like, I'm on about career number eight. So well, I that's mean, why I'm, I'm not therapy. I'm not average. But <laughs> we, oh God. But like, I'm like, I think a lot of people hold some type of shame or like worry that, you know, people are going to see them as like, you know, it's like, okay, you, you want to be vegan. It's like, people are going to be like, it's just a phase. Like you've eaten yeah. meat your whole life, like whatever. And so it's like, sometimes the people who know you the best are the ones mm-hmm. who are like, they're really like, your personality is really ingrained in them because they've seen you for so long. And so then it's like, no, like I really do, you know, want to be a vegetarian or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to med school when I thought I was going to be a lawyer or whatever, right. you know, that right. change may be. And I do think it's not, not every friendship can withstand that because especially right. too, if it's what brought you close, like say like, you know, you're the lawyer who wants to go to med school. Like maybe the friends that you're closest to are like your friends from law school who are like, how can you not want to be a lawyer? Like, this is what we were in school for or, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, and so well, I think, and I think it it's hard. sometimes it, it's threatening to them, right? On the one hand, you're worried about disappointing them. They've always seen me as a lawyer and now I don't want to be a lawyer. But on the other hand, too, when you know you say, hey, I don't want to be a lawyer, I want to be something else, that maybe is threatening to them because yeah. they are, you know, in in a profession and maybe they have some unhappiness about it. So it's sometimes hard to see people making a change that you wish you could make yourself. I mean, that's that's sometimes can be tough. So I think that's a little bit like with the relationship, right? In that they're all kind of coupled up. And it's Mm -hmm. like, but, and and even, I think they even say that to a certain extent in the book, it's like, well, if Harriet and Wynne can make it, right, they can make it like, this is when they still weren't telling them that they were having their issues. But, um, you know, if they can make it, then then we can overcome these things. And, you know, of course, Harriet and Wynne weren't making it. But I think too, and like the whole premise of the book is like, you know, Harriet and Wynne, don't think that anyone knows. And then it comes out that Sabrina and Parth did know and everyone kind of knew. And like, in the end, like they do end up getting back together. And so it's like, it is true that like, sometimes the people, you know, who do know you best, like have your best interest in mind. Like they know that like, this is something that like deep down, like you really do want, you just don't know how to express it. Like, so I think it's like, I do think there are, you know, not like it's always a phase or whatever. But I do think sometimes when you're testing something out, like there are people who can kind of guide you to like, is this really what you want? Because like, this has not been like historically what you've done. So I think it is good that her, their friends knew them so well to know that they they, they really are a good pair for each other. They were maybe just going through a hard time. So what did you think when in the book, before we find out that Cleo's pregnant, Mm-hmm. What did you think was 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 up with her keeping Sabrina at arm's length around the visits? I think it's just like there gets to be a point where like, you know, like she was like in a committed relationship. They had this demanding job like there are in, and Sabrina, you know, is an heiress silent age. <laughs> Like she has a job. She's a lawyer. Like it's not like she doesn't yeah. work or anything. But I think it can feel a little bit like sometimes with your friends, like 
at this phase of life, and I'm sure others, that like you have mismatched kind of, yeah. you know, lives right now. So it's like I have friends right now who are in graduate school and like obviously that's demanding, but it looks different than working a full-time job every day. And so it's like, you know, it's like Cleo works on this farm that she has to get up at like 5 a.m. And like Sabrina has this much higher paying, more luxurious job. So it's just like I think it, yeah. I kind of thought that she was like, we're growing apart. Like, yeah. I don't want you to have to come to my farm and like see that like our lives are so different. And then it turns out that she's pregnant and she just, you know, wasn't feeling right. well, like first trimester right. or whatever it was. But I think it was kind of like they were growing apart and they, she just like didn't know how to like kind of broach it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because there is, you know, that sense among friends when you have that common thing. And in this case, I mean, they were all in college together. So they kind of started a little bit on that common footing, but they've mm -hmm. gone in such different directions. And then we've talked about this before on the podcast. There's such a sense of that keeping up with the Joneses, right? So it's like, okay, well, this is my life. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it until you come and you put your lens on yeah. it. And then I feel like, oh my gosh, am I ashamed of my life or am I, you know, is this what I want? So um, I think that's something that you have to deal with at many, many stages of your life. But certainly with this particular group of friends, I think that they were going through that. And it's a, it, one of the questions on the guide that you printed out was about how does happiness and success look different for each of these characters. Mm -hmm. And that can be difficult to reconcile. And I think a lot of friends go through that, right? It's like yeah. some friends want to get together over an expensive dinner and some want to get together over, um, you know, a walk or they want to, you know, be in a book club. So it's like making sure that you don't get kind of trapped into this cycle where you feel you like you can't be your authentic self around your friends. Yeah, no. And, and you know, one of the other questions on the the little prompts I had pulled together was like, Harriet's like, kind of living for the weekend um and so it's like do you experience this like can you find joy and purpose in your day-to-day -day life and i think you know she was someone who was really looking forward to this and she had put it up on this like pedestal of like this is her happy place and because she was so unhappy with her day-to-day -day. and i've definitely like i've definitely been there where it's like like your job or whatever is taking up the majority of your time like is really not sparking any joy and so it's like you have like, you know, you put a lot of pressure on whatever your other outlets are. Mm -hmm. And like, I know, like when I first moved to Hoboken, like I was working a job that I really did not enjoy. I was in a new place. It was COVID. And it's like, I would put so much pressure on Drew, like whenever he wasn't working that like, we were having like the most amazing time or we were doing something fun because I was like, I'm so unhappy yeah. day to day. Yes. That, like I yeah. really need this. And it's, that's like really stressful. And that's why she's so stressed and unhappy during this trip is because it's not going as she planned. And, you know, she's so unhappy with what she's going back to. And this was supposed to be her happy place. Um, so I think it's really important. And like, I think as you get older and further away from being like a new college grad, at least in my experience, like, it is easier to like have work be like one portion of your life. And obviously now like I'm married and like, I have a dog, like I, like I'm building out this like more robust persona rather than just like, I am my job. Like, and I think it's hard when like you're in that phase of like living with roommates and like, you know, like your job is really your identity. And so it's like, Harriet's like, you know, she's trying to toy with like, do I become a surgeon? Do I not? Her relationship is crumbling. And so like, right. Her happy place really like, you know, she's bringing a lot of baggage to it. 
Oh yeah. I mean, full set of Samsonite there, but I mean, we, we all have, I mean, I think we have that in, in different ways. And I think however you identify as whether it's your job, I mean, you know, for me, obviously as a mother, um, not that I'm not still a mother, but I'm a mother in a different way. Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. and you have this sense of like, you know, you've lost your footing and how do you define yourself? And how do you relate to other people, your friend group, your family, when you don't have that particular moniker, you know, to like latch yeah. onto? Um, so no, I think I mean I thought it was a great book. It's it's you know we're talking about some of the deep issues. It doesn't read like that at all. It's a very I thought it read like that. Really, I mean I was like on the verge of tears at certain points of the book, but I think that's because I really struck a chord to okay. like a phase of my life. I mean, again, not like breaking up with your fiance, like you and I right. got married. Right, right. But I think yeah. I, I felt it so strongly because it was like, I know people who are like going through these big breakups right now and like, are, do yeah. they get back together? And then it's like, you're still trying to all come together and like find those common grounds. And like, it's like me, I was actually just talking about this with two friends I had dinner with the other day. It's like, I feel like sometimes I carry this baggage where like, I am the one friend who's like married. And so it's like my life looks so different because like, I'm not, you know, when I get home from work at the end of the day, like I have my husband and, you know, it's not like I need to like be making all these plans because I either like live by myself or I live with a roommate and maybe we're not close or whatever, where I feel like I constantly need to be doing things. And so like, I feel like I'm at a different phase than a lot of my friends are. And I know like some of my friends are like, deciding to go to grad school and that's a different phase than someone who's like you know really like hustling and trying to get that promotion and like all of that and so i think it's like i really related to it um and i think too like i just like i don't know like when i thought win and harriet were not gonna be together like i was like profoundly upset i was like they better get back together Well, I was getting kind of mad at Harriet. I'm like, get yourself together. Well, and also at Win, because it's like, be honest with her. Why are you being so cagey about this? What is this big yeah. secret that you're like this amazing furniture person? So I, I agree with you. Um, and I think it's that, you know, you might, uh, you know, something that you just said made me think it's like when you're the only one in your friend group. And I was actually that way because, I mean, we got married and had kids way before anybody we knew and in some ways you feel like you have to carry the weight of being the happy married new mom because nobody understands what you're going through right Mm -hmm. so it so you also you know feel like you can't necessarily be the authentic i mean when we had kids young and nobody else even was married it wasn't like I was going to sit around and be like, oh my God, this is so difficult. It was like, I, I wanted to portray like, look at this is so wonderful. And of course it was wonderful, but it's yeah. hard. It's hard. Yeah. No, I agree. And so not that I'm a new mom, <laughs> but, but I, I get, and that's kind of what this book was, was like, you know, Harriet and Wynn are supposed to be the happy engaged couple who's perfect for each other. And they, they weren't. And, you know, so they were having to mask it, but I guess, so let's, we can do one last question. Um, Okay, so Harriet and Wynn's friend group plays a game where they talk about what they would do if they had another entire life to live. What would you do with a second life? Do you see yourself pursuing this in any way in your real life? Well, I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of chances to start over. I mean, isn't that kind of a starting over question? It's like, Mm -hmm. if you could start over, I would want to do it retrospectively. So I like the question is like, if you have a second life, because I don't want to look back at my life and go, oh, I regret this. I should have done that. I mean, sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I don't know that I would change a lot. I definitely 
there's things I've wanted to pursue professionally that I'm not saying I'm too old to do them now, but it might be a little bit hard to get over to do them. Um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, there's some things, um, but I think nowadays it's like kind of never too late to start over and it's much more acceptable. So hopefully you don't have to wait for a whole another life to do that. How about you? Um, well, I, I'm still relatively young in my journey in this life. Um, relatively and actually, but yes. Yeah. But I think something I was actually just talking to my therapist about this is like, I feel like for a long time, I kind of told myself I wasn't a creative person. And like, I didn't need creative outlets. Like I was going to be this finance major and I was going to go into banking and everything was going to be like businessy. And I'm realizing as I get older, like, obviously we started this podcast. Like I like photography. I like, you know, a lot of creative things and I don't necessarily at this point need them to be my career, but I think I do need to like embrace more of that into my daily life because it is something that like brings me joy. So I think, you know, if I had a second life, it would be pursuing, you know, more intensely one of those kind of creative outlets. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the disservices we do is when, I mean, in some ways, undergraduate majors, I mean, there's a big problem with that. Maybe we should just have generic, you know, college graduate degrees, and then you're going to specify either through on-the-job work or through some sort of specific graduate training. But I think to ask like an 18, 19-year-old in most cases to figure out what they're going to do, and then you end up like Harriet, right? And Harriet's yeah. like, I went down this path. I got on this treadmill and I didn't know how to get off. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so I think, I mean, it's not too late for any of us to go, you know, chase your dreams. Um, but I thought I'm already living the dream. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it was a really good book. I definitely want to read some of her other things. I do think because Abby um, has read a few of her other books. And I will say, I think a lot of people say Happy Place is one of the best ones. Um, so I definitely, you know, will take the other ones, you know, grain of salt. Well, and we'll have to decide what our September book club is going to be and make that announcement. And I'm going to push that we do something a little hard hitting nonfiction, maybe related. I don't know if I like that. Okay. I, I want to go back to this. The, what the listeners can't see is you made a face. I want to go back to a thriller. Okay, you know fine. Me. Thriller. You know me. I'll do a true crime all the time. Um, oh yeah, well, we'll decide what September will be. We'll post it in the feed. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you next week for another regular scheduled episode. And keep reading. And we told we told everyone not to find us on social media because we're too overwhelmed for it. But you know, if there's a way to reach out to us, like you know us because all of our all of our people listening do, give us a book recommendation. We would love to hear it. A book club recommendation. All right. Well, this was so fun. We will be back next week and talk to you later, Mom. Talk to you later, Maddie. Bye. Bye. 